the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast, explaining the news coming out of the complex worlds of finance, economics, and politics, and the impact it will have on everyday Americans. Author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, and trader, Chris Markowski. Okay, welcome everybody. Uh, We had a nice uh, weekend. I know my New York Yankees... uh, Gone, but I I actually predicted that they would make it five. They didn't even make it five. Anyway, it is what it is. Uh, at some point in time, you got to recognize that uh, playing home run derby is not a strategy for winning in the playoffs. <laughs> With that being said, New York Giants and Jets doing pretty well. What new what's going on with the uh, I, I, the Packers and the Bucks? I poof, falling off a cliff. But anyway. Neither here nor there. Um, let's get into it today. We're going to start off. We're going to talk about um, the, the great destroyer, the destroyer of worlds. Isn't there a super superhero villain destroyer of worlds when Thanos or Galactus or something like that? I can't remember. Destroyer of worlds. Yeah, that's big government. And we'll actually get into energy and some nuances and some of the things that the government's doing right now to make our lives that much more difficult. Also, at the same time, collecting record taxes. Um, We're also going to talk a little bit today about um, retirement issues, retirement crisis, if you will. Um, I I did a white paper on this uh, several years ago. We're way ahead of things, uh, but it's it's getting worse due to inflation. We'll get into that. Um, Also going to talk a little bit about education test scores coming in. Absolutely horrific. And a couple follow-ups. But let's let's start off today. Holman Jenkins, Wall Street Journal, makes the point here. He breaks it down. I said the same thing. I said, what you're you're promising here, what you want to do just doesn't add up. Talking about um, the goal, and he, he uses the state of New York as an example. The goal of the state of New York is to have emissions-free, emissions-free electricity by 2040. By 2040, um, New York is going to need 45 gigawatts. 45 gigawatts of uh, what it delicately calls DFRs, or Dispatchable Emissions Free Resources. Now, that is greater. That is greater than the state, our state's current generating capacity of 37 gigawatts. These uh, DFRs, carbon-free, wind and solar yet not interruptible like wind and solar, um, they don't exist. At this point in time, they don't exist. And to be quite honest, do you think that there's any prospect of these things coming around within the next 10 years? Hey, listen, anything's possible. Anything's possible, but you're going to make decisions today based upon the impossible? Anyway, um, starting very much sooner than 2040, uh, New York's real choice will be third world electricity uh, reliability versus paying fossil fuel operators large fees to keep their plants up and running in a highly inefficient part-time fashion. Yeah, 
that's what they're going to have to do. I, again, you know, Biden was yelling and screaming at the oil companies says, stop paying dividends and stop buying back your stock and do all of these things. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? You're going to make an investment. You're going to spend billions of dollars on stuff that you want to last for an extended period of time. Yet they're telling you they want to get rid of your entire investment within 20 years. Sorry. Um, And and the funny thing is, and this, this is an interesting point that nobody really seems to get their arms around. The less oil and gas we use here in the United States. All it's going to do, it's going to lower the price and they're just going to use it in developing markets, already developed markets, China. China's going to change. They're putting up coal-fired plants left, right, all over the place. It's not going to change. We're knowingly making ourselves... um, Non-competitive, quite frankly. Um, and starting to see some blowback here and there. you got various different states are now pushing back. They're actually looking. We talked about the ESG uh, investments in certain states, but they're actually going at the UN right now and how the UN is working with banks to uh, try to keep investment away from fossil fuels. Um, and you go around the globe, you take a look at what's going on. You got France, they, they've got themselves into a horrible situation there with energy, even though they derive a lot of their power from nuclear energy. But Macron basically lashing out to some degree at the United States saying, hey, listen, um, you guys want it both ways here when it comes to this. And you love you know, charging these exorbitant amounts to get us energy. And you, know, you, you subsidize certain industries, you make it more difficult. And he's right. In many respects, I've talked about this here too, this whole uh, free trade bit and how we get our underwear in a bunch over various different subsidies that China makes to companies. But we do the same thing. We do the exact same thing, and and it's problematic. It's not good. It causes a disconnect in in the system. Anyway, um, it was interesting too. I saw this story. It goes, kind of delves off, but makes sense. Um, all of the greenhouse emissions that California has cut down on from 2003 to 2019 was put back into, an, into the environment when they had the fires. Yeah. All of the carbon reduction that they did from 2003 to 2019 was put right back into the environment when they had the fires there. And I, I remember years ago talking about this. I say to myself, you know, prior to like, you know, fire departments and forest rangers going out to put out fires, what would put out fires? They would just burn out. They'd just burn out. Rain would put them out, whatever, at some point in time. I mean, there weren't always uh, firefighters and forest rangers guarding these forests or looking to put these things out. Just saying, the complete, utter exercise and futility and what everybody is uh, pushing. Now, big government, topic of big government, real big. Uh, federal tax collections, uh, fiscal 2022, um, $4,896,119,000,000, almost five trillion dollars in tax collections that's in a year 2022 where we've seen the economy 
fall off. We've seen the economy fall off. We've seen the mark, stock market come down. Imagine if the, the markets had done well, the type of taxes they would have collected and capital gains. Um, government continues to get bigger. And the more money we spend, I know that we're being told that, oh, it's biggest, one of the largest drops in the deficit, which is horse manure. It's all that emergency COVID spending that has gone away. Anyway, what is this? What am I trying to get at? This is, again, this is, I, I've written columns about this, Lilliputians on steroids, wasted talent, all of these things where the government, the government steps in and starts tinkering with the free market. And starts picking and choosing winners and losers. What we end up doing in this country is we hurt. We hurt the productive sector of our economy. The people that go out there and build and create. We have too much money. The government, government, can't, only, government can't only pick winners, which they can't do. They can't do. They end up bailing out losers. Now, when I talk about the zombification of America, uh, walking dead, we have walking dead companies. We have walking dead ideas that are roaming around, that are still around because the government subsidizes them. And you think we may have learned based upon what we saw happen in Asia. Remember the whole Asian financial crisis going back in the 1990s? You had the, the Chabel. We, we described this back then. The Chabel, where you have these powerful families and they don't allow, they don't allow businesses to fail. They prop them up. And, and that's what we do here. Certain companies have moats put around them. They are protected. You know, they, they want to have this magical zero emissions policy here in New York and other states around the country we just talked about. The only way that that's going to happen is if you get the government out of the way and you allow for some different idea because solar and wind is not the answer. If it was the answer, we would have figured it out by now, for crying out loud. It's solar panels since the 1970s, for crying out loud. Solar's fantastic in your calculator. Super. Yeah, it's not too bad either if you want to heat your pool. And you want to put the you know, pipes on the roof of your house, heat it up. I, 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 okay, there's, there's certain uses for it. I get it. But not to run a, 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 the type of economy that we have. I'm not poo-pooing certain things. It's just they're limited in scope. I tell you, talk about this as well. They go to Greece in the summer. They have, they're at the roofs of the buildings. They have the hot water heater on the roof of the buildings. And it's a lot of it's, it's solar. Why? Because they get a ton of sun. They get a ton of sun there. It makes sense to do that. It's applicable there. But again, you get government involved and they mandating this. I mean, we don't have we don't have the materials. We talk about this when it comes to batteries and lithium and everything that goes along with that. We don't have the, the, the everything that's in place yet. And by the government getting involved and picking and choosing certain things that they think are awesome, it starves money that should be going to companies that actually deserve it. It kind of it thwarts the whole creative production, uh, uh, creative destruction and production process. 
anyway, yeah, that's that's what we got right now. Uh, basically, a recession, recession in the productive sector. It's actually a column. It just read the uh, Daniel account for the Mises Institute. Uh, there are many reasons why nations should not spend now and deal with the consequences later. First, the spending is made by politicians that will not be held accountable for the malinvestment. No kidding. Talk about that all the time. Okay, it's one of the greatest jobs you get. You get a job, you go to an Ivy League school, you go and you're Washington, you get a job in government. It, you have no skin in the game. You're never held accountable. You're never held accountable to anything. So I look at the same thing, skin in the game, when it comes to all of the investing that we do. But government makes it that much worse. Governments are extremely bad at picking winners and even worse at picking losers. Policy nudging, subsidies, and grants are often aimed at obsolete or potentially favored sectors, which in turn lead to the rise in, what do we tell you, zombie companies. Zombification of America. Government spending to save businesses tends to support those who are already highly indebted and with relevant challenges to pay their debts. This is bad, but picking losers is even worse. The world would not have a food and energy crisis because of a disruption from countries that means less than 10% of supply if regulation and laws would not have placed enormous burdens on investment in farming, energy, and trade in general. How often do we talk about this here on the program? How often do we talk about this and our agricultural policy here in the United States and how it works and how it's manipulated. I remember telling the story, this was it's going back 10, 15 years ago, all of the, the farm subsidy checks, all the money, farm subsidy checks that were sent to Park Avenue addresses in Manhattan. And I crack on a joke. I said, I know they got that median there, the Park Avenue median, where they have like a little bit of a, uh, you know, greenery and, and, and I guess you want to call it a garden along the way. Uh, is, that, is that the farm that these people are running? I right, about the racket here. Uh, the, the house that I had here on Long Island, my last house here, not the one I'm living in now, I had enough acreage that all I needed to do was put a couple chickens there. All I needed was to put a couple chickens in a chicken coop and I could have uh, gotten subsidies and reduced my taxes. Are you kidding me, man? You know, we talk about, oh, it was food crisis. Food crisis, right, right, right. I, again, drive out. I live on Long Island. Drive out east, where all these farms that actually grew food used to exist. Well, regulations and whatnot just didn't make it profitable enough, so we've turned them all into vineyards. And I'm being, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty, I know they got the tour. Again, it's a tourism thing. You, you get on the bus and you can go out there and they do weddings and whatnot at these vineyards. Come on, man. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's not, it's not Napa. It's not, it's not Tuscany. Okay. The quality is not there. They're just making more money doing it. Anyway, again, keep the government out. The government doesn't know the free market. Let the free market work its magic. All right. Um, you know what? Let's get into it. Um, yeah, retirement. 
Yeah, several years ago, I did a uh, retirement crisis white paper, and I'm telling you right now, um, get it. It's at our website, watchdogonwallstreet.com. Just download it. Download it. And again, it's, again you're going to see everything that's happening today, the things that we've called out. Um, we, we are, we're brutally honest with everybody here on the program. I long time saying, I've been saying on the radio show for years and years, I, I do not sugarcoat things. No, no, no Mary Poppins, no spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down here. Um, and, and we've been saying this for a while. We talked about the, you know, how the, the demographics, how people are living longer and healthier lives. Again, it could take the past few years when it comes to COVID. And obviously, that's changed the dynamic to some degree. Um, the numbers, you know, you think of the mortality rates, they've come down. A lot of that does not so much due to COVID. That has a lot to do with the drug problem that we have in the United States. And we have 100,000, in essence, younger people dying every single year, which changes the dynamic in the numbers. Uh, but you know, if you, you hit 65, there's a pretty good chance you're going to hit 75. If 75, there's a pretty good chance you're going to hit 85, and so on and so forth. And it's, that's just the case. And the medical advances continue to come around. And it's a bit of a reality check to people when they've spent, unfortunately, and I don't agree with this philosophy where you say to yourself, I want to retire at 62 or 65. And I, you, you, you put a date down, you mark a date down. Don't do that. Don't, don't let a, a date in the far off future rule your life. If you do that, you do that, you're going to end up uh, passing up on opportunities that, again, will help you live a, a fruitful life, an exciting life. That is that old saying, you know, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Tell him your plans. And, and to, to this day, I remember, you know, going way back, first started, and you're going in to do a 401k meeting with uh, people and they're signing up and the questionnaire, oh, when are you planning on retiring? And I'm like, these kids are in their 20s and 30s. Are you out of your mind? No, don't, don't think like that. It's, it should be lifetime financial preparation. But um, here's some of the numbers here. More than uh, half, half of uh, U.S. working U.S. adults feel as though they are behind on retirement savings, underscoring the hardships of the inflated economy. Uh, over a third say they feel significantly behind. Um, industry experts estimate that this period of hardship won't end anytime soon. It's, it's been this way for a while, folks. Um, 34% of workers are contributing the same amount to the retirement savings. Only a quarter of workers have been able to increase their contributions. 16% are contributing less. Um, they are they're raising the, uh, the, the limits when it comes to what you can put away into your 401k and your IRA and they're changing the, the Roth qualifications or indexing it for inflation. 401k is up by uh, 2000 bucks next year for the individual. Um, that's fine. That, that's all well and good. And many people will be able to take advantage of it, but many will not be able to take advantage of it simply because what? They're paying more for the bare necessities. You can put off, you can put off, uh, you know, buying a new TV. Okay, you wanted a new TV. One works fine. Yeah, we're thinking about it. You can put that off. Okay, if the costs of other things go up, 
there's certain things that you can put off or you can change. You know, you plan on going vacation, you know, inflation's too high. You're just going to change the vacation plans a little bit, okay, based upon what other costs that you have. Can't change. You got to eat. You got to pay your electric bill, okay? You got you know, you to put gas in your car. These things are not going to change. So, you know, raising the, uh, the, the rate, uh, raising the amount of money that you can save, for some people it's going to benefit. For, for many, they're not going to be able to take advantage of it. And that's just the reality of the train right now. That's what, that's, that's what we've done to us. That's what government has done to us with all of the regulations, all the problems, making food untenable, make, making energy ridiculous. We already talked about it. It's going to be up 30% this winter. That's a lot. So how, how do you expect people to save more? Very difficult. Very difficult. And some of the things we talk about in our retirement crisis white paper, also it's about your health too. Um, again, not everybody's going to agree with me on this, but I'm a big believer. You, you, you're tired of your career. I get that. Okay. You get tired of your career, what you're doing. Okay. You don't want to do it anymore. Um, fine. You know, quit, retire, take a sabbatical, take some time off, but get back into the workforce. And I'm not saying going back and, and, and doing another, you know, 40 or 50. No, doing a grind. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying doing that, but find something else. Work a couple days a week. Change the hours up. I've always talked about the three-day work week. And I always, it goes back. I know Thanksgiving's around the corner. You know, Thanksgiving is, a, you know, everybody loves Thanksgiving week, right? It's family, friend, I, at least I do. You work Monday, Tuesday. You half-ass it pretty much on Wednesday. At least a lot of people do. Off Thursday, Friday, you know, my business markets are open. You bet nobody really shows up. So in essence, you know, you've got four days off. That's something you can do when you hit, get to a certain point in time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, an old friend of mine actually was, he does a, a podcast as well. He was talking about work. And he made a, an important point. This is, they say, you know, oh, geez, if you do something you love, if you do something you love, man, oh, man, oh, man, you don't have to work a day in your life. I, 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 I really do. I love what I do. I, I, I do. Okay. I, I, I enjoy it. I really do. But it's work, man. Okay. It's still work. I'm still not sitting on a beach in Greece for crying out loud. It's still work. So go sell that malarkey somewhere else. <laughs> anyway. Ah, uh, yes. Um, test scores. Historic setback. This is. We, we've been talking about this a little bit. Nearly four in, in 10 eighth graders failed to grasp basic math concepts. Uh, reading scores dropped to 1992 levels. This nation's report card is awful. See, Jeb Bush had an uh, op-ed today in the Wall Street Journal talking about you know, what needs to be done and you know, going back to, to more, I guess, more traditional ways of teaching kids. Yeah, you don't say. You, you don't say. I, I, again, reading is not a new thing, people, okay? It, it's, it's not. It, it's not a new thing. I, people have learned how to read for you know, thousands of years now, okay? And obviously, it's a lot more available now than before. Um, what are you going to come up with these 
crazy new ways of trying to teach things that just don't work. It's not about teaching kids. It's about pushing them through. And that's something you need to understand. It's about pushing kids through. And the government and the teachers unions, and I'm sorry, okay, I I got a lot of clients that are teachers and (laughs) agree with me. My dad was a school teacher. Um, it's, It's an assembly line. Get them in, get them out. Get them in, get them out. And it was a great example. That was during COVID. Many kids, many kids, you, you can't cut out a half a year of school for kids and then expect, move them on to the next grade. All right, they're online classes. It's horseshit. And they know it's horseshit. Move them on to the next grade. They're behind. They need to catch up. They didn't allow that to happen. They didn't allow, they didn't want to do anything extra over the summer. They didn't want to do a damn thing because they were lazy. All they kept doing, all these school teachers making their little heart signs with their hands. I wanted to punch them in the head is what I wanted to do. You know, interest in these kids. I mean, it's, it's awful to me. And again, get it. Okay. I, 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 my kids are aware that guess what? They live in my household. Guess what? They got tutors. They got all the help that they need. That's not the case everywhere. It's not. I've I've talked about this here all the time. They talk about, oh, it's privilege. You know what privilege is? It's parental privilege. It's having parents that give a shit. All right? That's the reality. That's the bottom, bottom line. And I've said this before here on the program. We've got our school district here. Oh, it's Blue Ribbon School. It's It's a good school. Okay, but it's a school. It's a school. Why is school? Why our school district is good? Because the parents give a damn. The parents are involved. The parents make sure that the kids do well. They have more than 50% of a class. Every single one is a National Honor Society for crying out loud. They're all going to great schools. It's because the parents care. You could take this same school here. What do you think? These teachers are magic? Not the teachers. You put into a neighborhood where parents don't give a damn. Guess what? That's that's the reality. And again, this this goes down to the the destruction of the American family and the breakdown within the family unit. And we all know that to be the case. Again, but we can't we can't speak it though because you're going to get canceled. And you're a racist, or you're this, or you're that. Yeah. A uh, couple follow-up things today before we go. Uh, again, <sighs> guys, President of the United States. I- I'm at a point in time, I don't know, maybe the media shouldn't be covering these things. I know our adversaries on the globe see this, and they obviously know that this guy is he's not nearly at, at the facilities are just not there. It's not, they were just being interviewed in regards to this whole student loan bailout thing. And he's talking about the vote that was taken on the student loan bailout thing. And he was telling everybody it was passed by a couple of votes. Dude, it, come on, Joe. You, it was an executive order that you signed. There's, this didn't go to Congress. There's no legislation. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. They tried to put that off on on George W. Bush. I mean, and they tried. I I remember there was a Saturday Night Live skit 
where it, Nancy Pelosi and uh, what's his name? Borny Flank, where uh, it was about the housing crisis, a phenomenal skit. And George W. Bush is like, he's in, in the background. They're controlling the whole thing. He interjects and makes the point that, hey, um, we warned against all of this subline and giving out these loans to people. And then they're like, you know, it's like, no, you didn't. And, and Bar- Barney Frank's like, oh, yeah, he kind of did. And Nancy's like, Shh, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's kind of doesn't even know. It's just a major executive order. He thinks that there was legislation passed and it passed by a couple of votes. This is the president of the United States for crying out loud. Come on. And what? Kamala? Anyway. Uh, oh, China. China. Yeah, we got the, the new Mao Zedong. Z is in. Again, um, they well, they they put out their uh, third quarter gross domestic product. I guess that was reported. China reported Monday that third quarter gross domestic product grew by 3.9% from a year ago. <laughs> Go sell crazy somewhere else, all stocked up here. So Fugazi, their, their growth was not 3.9%. It wasn't even close. You can't trust any numbers coming out of that country. Just can't. Anyway, have a great day, everybody. Watchdogonwallstreet.com is our site. Again, become part of the Watchdog on Wall Street family. Personal CFO program. Check out all the stuff we have. Watchdogonwallstreet.com. We'll see you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.